Today, Entrepreneur House listeners, we are joined by my good friend and alumni of the Entrepreneur House in Chiang Mai, Mark Gallen. Mark is the founder of the largest color festival in Canada called A Midsummer's Dream. Every August, Mark brings thousands of people together to experience a color festival unlike any other. It's a day of music, dancing, yoga, meditation, color, and festivities. When it comes to creating a company's vision, branding, and marketing, Mark is spot on. Here's what I like about Mark. He's an incredible promoter, marketer, and storyteller. There were many nights in Thailand when Mark had the entire group of people stopping what they were doing to listen to his stories. He knows how to catch an audience and communicate in a way to entertain people. Him and I have had some incredible discussions about taking on goals, implementing strategies, and making them work. Today we're going to dig into a little of the mind of this master promoter and visionary. He's going to tell us how he handles creating an event like this and using meditation and visualization as a tool to create your vision. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Chris. So it's one year later. I'm actually in the Entrepreneur House in Chiang Mai now in 2017. And you were in the house in 2016, so it's exactly one year since we met. And you have just wrapped up your A Midsummer's Dream Festival. And I remember talking to Masterminding about uh, how you could promote the festival, how you could make it bigger and better as you had in the past. And so why don't we just start there, man? How was your past year from the Entrepreneur House into creating the festival and how the festival turn out? Well, uh, that's a very loaded question and I'll try and uh, chunk <laughs> it down as much as I can. Um, like this, this past year has been like unbelievable. I, uh, I'm super grateful for like the life that I have and, and the direction that I'm going. And I'm, I'm also super grateful that I got to be part of the entrepreneur house because I definitely learned a lot. And I, um, after speaking with people at the house and then and then also meeting people in Chiang Mai and discussing things about the festival, I ended up growing the festival attendance by uh, just over around 50%. So last year there was 6,500 people and this year there was between 10 and 11,000 people. So that's a, nice. quite a jump, you know, and, and, I, and I can credit a lot of it to learning about the digital marketing strategies that I learned over there in Chiang Mai. So uh, I want to give you a big thank you. Um, but uh, as a whole, uh, yeah, the festival has been uh, really skyrocketing and picking up. So um, it's been it's been quite the ride. So, well, 50% growth in a year is absolutely amazing. You think you could do it again next year? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like yeah, totally. It's it's almost you know you know George Soros is. Yeah. So in his like quantum funds and it's it's very interesting um when he talked about how sometimes he'd be so in tune with uh his his fund that if he had like an ache in his body or something like that, yeah. uh he would know where to sell or where to buy. And like I'm kind of, I kind of know exactly where he's coming from. Like, I just feel so in tune with like the whole entire process and people and, and everything. And I know exactly what needs to be done to keep taking it to another level. So yeah. I think, I think the whole, the whole thing is like, you know, having that, those goals and, and making them broadly specific, like if, if you know what I mean, like, this is what I need to do. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But this is the overall thing that needs to happen. Right. And and then I just like go in that direction and duck and dodge and like, 
you know, like sprint and walk and crawl or wherever that I have to like hit that next level. Yeah. So I, I've heard that about George Soros before. And, and did you, have you read any books or um, how did you learn about that? I, well, I learned it from his book, The Alchemy of Finance. The Alchemy of Finance. That sounds like a great book. Okay. It is. <laughs> yeah. So let's dig in deeper, Mark, about being in tune with your business and the direction of your business. So is there any, anything else you want to share about that? Like how do you, I guess, conceptualize, you know, say you have something's going wrong in your life or you feel out of, of whack or out of balance in, in a part of your life. And how do you relate that to your business and what to do with your business? Um, you know, that I don't know because sometimes like some things in my life are separate, but like if we're going back to, um, what about the festival, for instance, like I can tell in my dreams that I need to like work harder. You know, it's almost like there's, there's some nights that I'll have these dreams and I'll wake up and I'll just know that I am far off the mark or I'm heading in the wrong direction. And then I will sit and think and ask myself and be like, okay, so if I were to head in the proper direction and I, I almost like drop myself down a, le like a level of consciousness and I'll start playing around with it and start asking questions and like free form answers and then I'll start to figure it out. And uh, sometimes it's just like I know I just need to work harder. I feel I'm behind, and I'll work hard until like the dreams become positive. And what kind? Yeah. Of, what kind of dreams are you having? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember the, this one particular dream I had. Um, I wasn't at the festival, and uh, but the festival was on. And so I was like calling a friend of mine. I'm like, hey, so what's going on? He's like, man, there's so many people here. It's great. And when I finally got there, uh, I went to go like listen to the music. And uh, the stage was gone. And the city had turned it into a baseball diamond. And and I was like freaking out, you know. Uh -huh. And then and then I realized it's because I hadn't had all the bands booked. Uh -huh. And I'm like, I need to get on this right now. You know, so within the next week, like that's all I focused on. You know, and then that ex that anxiety got uh -huh. turned in. You know, and sometimes like my, my dreams will tell me like this is missing or this or that's missing, you know? Wow, that's incredible. So have you always been that connected to your dreams? Yeah, my whole life. So like, for example, I had probably two, three, four years or so in my life when I didn't, I didn't remember my dreams whatsoever. And it kind of almost scared me a bit. Like I would wake up and then I think after a couple years, I just realized like I'm not remembering my dreams or dreaming anymore like what's going on but then I just told myself I said okay from now on I'm going to start remembering my dreams and so um, this was probably six seven years ago or so so I started remembering my dreams more um, but I don't have that type of connection with my dreams where like hey something's I'm doing this in my dream how can I apply it in my life because it's more or less a sign of what's happened to, to, to me subconsciously. So, mm -hmm. like, I, I'm curious more, man, like, um, have you ever had a part of your life when you didn't remember your dreams? Or are you remembering your dream every single night um, and thinking about it when you wake up? Or how's that work for you? Um, I'd probably say that if there is a stretch of, like, me not remembering my dreams, it's probably, like, for a week or two at max. Okay. I just, I don't know. I've just always 
like just remember them. But sometimes it's like really exhausting and sometimes not remembering your dreams uh-huh. uh, is a good thing because you had more of a restful deep sleep. Okay. You know? So it's just uh, dreams are a very interesting thing. And actually, um, I ended up doing a, uh, a dream seminar, um, dream interpretation workshop uh, a week and a half before the festival actually started. What did you so learn? I had um a lot well i've i've also done like work with my dreams with a Jungian psychoanalyst uh-huh. so we can learn how to like pick apart um archetypes and and figure out moods and directions but this one was is more like based off of um uh Jungian uh Jungian dream interpretation so i had a Jungian analyst from toronto come and speak for an hour uh-huh. then i had someone uh do a talk about um, dream, uh, dreaming of the dead and like what it means, uh, when you dream of people who have passed mm-hmm. and then another person who did, um, these, this dream workshop where, um, you pick a dream and you create art from it. You okay. Know? So it was pretty cool. Nice. So maybe you can help me interpret my dreams a little. Cause like most of the time, Mark, I have, I have fear based dreams and mm-hmm. a lot of times like I don't wake up. You'd probably agree that I'm a fairly positive and happy guy for the most part. But when I wake up, I don't wake up in that great of a mood because it's almost like, uh, like, uh, and I think part of that is the dream um, that I'm having, you know, is, is most of the time fear-based. So a lot of times, like, my dreams will be like, I got, you know, I'm in a, a firefight and I got shot. Or, mm-hmm. like, I was in a car and went off the bridge and, and, and it landed into a river or something like mm-hmm. that, something crazy. And then when I have a, a positive dream that feels good, like I'm, I wake up and I'm like, wow, that was amazing. I had one last week, but I always remember them because um, I don't have them often. It feels really good when I wake up. So I don't know what that is supposed to mean. What that means? Um, well, like, okay. Um so maybe we can have some of those talks maybe after the podcast, but I'll also um, uh, like kind of give you an interpretation of what how our lives are directly connected to the dreaming. Uh-huh. So if you if you look at your, our lives, anyone's life, like a flower, okay. Uh-huh. And so there's three parts to the flower: there's the roots, the stem, and the in uh, the the top of the flower itself. Yeah. So the roots are actually our dreams. Right. And the flower is our life, our waking reality. Mm-hmm. And then the stem is actually the mood that uh, connects the dream world to our to our waking reality. Um, so there's two there's two ways to like actually change your reality and both of it it goes down to like deep processes, which is like you know deep personal work in the waking life or lucid dreaming down below. yeah, but um, Usually, like the mood, the mood is essentially the energy that you're bringing from the dreaming into your waking life. Okay. You're basically like carrying the energy of your dream, and you're like almost like a tuning fork. Pardon me, uh, to this like waking reality. Yeah, you know. So if if you want to talk earlier about like visualization, this is actually a great segue. Um, so since I've I've read I've read a lot and like for a while it was all theory based and uh, I've always been very um, hesitant on how to use it properly. But there's been times where like, I really needed something to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I think in year two, 
Um, I hadn't sold enough sponsorships and I was like, I was very close to being down and out, you know? Okay. So I did, I, I tried this one thing where I, I would, I lay down and I put myself into like a half hypnotic state and uh, I just started to uh, feel what it would be like if I ended up getting all my sponsorships and raising mm -hmm. all the money. And I just started to like rest in that energy and that emotion and that experience and started to believe it was true. And I did it for like three days straight. And, you know, I like don't like the stories where it's like, and then it happened. But it, <laughs> but it did happen. But it did happen. You know, like, <laughs> like people will call me like, hey, I want to uh, sponsor your festival. I'm like, you can come right along in and, you know, sponsor my festival. Yeah. So um, I do I do use that. Um, and I think uh, it's like whatever. What's that one thing that Tony Robbins says was like uh, energy uh, flows where focus goes or something like that. OK. Um, and it's it's very important to like you know, set out and use, use all our capacities. I think you had even talked about the workshop that you, uh, you like to do in your own head. Yeah. Um, and it's literally about using all those tools. Like belief, belief is a really powerful thing. Yeah. You know? And if you get your, your, well, ourselves into like this heavy belief state of like, yes, this can happen. Um, and believing it with everything. And unfortunately, uh, and that, and this, this comes with the personal work is sometimes we'll, we'll do our best to like believe that, but then there's something at a level deeper that will disagree, Yeah, you know, with, with the belief that we're trying to, to now have about ourselves. So there's, I mean, there's, there's, there's different ways to doing it. Absolutely. There's like listening to positive and reinforcement tapes and just like constantly writing it out or looking at your goals like every day in front of you while you work as, as long as it's somewhere, you know? Yeah. But, but the mind, the mind constantly absorbs all the surroundings yeah. all the time, you know? So I, I try my best to like surround myself with like what I want to achieve. Yeah. Yeah. It, it comes down to like the way I like to explain a lot of this stuff sometimes is just bottom line. Like it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's a placebo effect in many ways. Whatever you believe happens, right? And Very true. Yeah, and so like I've done, we've had a lot of talk about this, but I've done a lot of work with NLP and the subconscious mind and how to reprogram the conscious and subconscious mind and um, use that same system where the roots, you know, you, you said the roots were the dreams, you know, uh, mm. or the subconscious mind in many ways, and that's what's creating... Uh, the stem and or the flower, which is our reality. But I have a, mm -hmm. I have a cool story. I have a, a good friend who is in the rodeo business back in the States. And he was having a really, really, I don't want to say tough time or depressing time with his business uh, this past summer. And so we started chatting and I was like, all right, Jason, here's what you do. You write, I'm going to write you a little... Uh, I'm going to say, okay, what's your perfect end result of this rodeo? And he says, well, this is going to happen. I get paid this much, and this is what happens with the crowd, and this is how I'm going to work with the committee and the other people working in the rodeo. So I wrote that down, and I said, okay, anytime you start feeling bad, read this statement. That's it. And this was probably mm -hmm. a week or so before the rodeo. And so 
he started reading it um, every time he got down and he started reading it. And I was like, you know, feel like you're act it actually happens. Feel like it's really working. And he would do it and do it and do it. And then I got a call after his rodeo and he's like, Chris, you won't believe this, what happened. He's like, I got paid more than I've ever been paid. He, and I didn't expect that. And the crowd held us, had a sign up for me, you know, and they were chanting my name when I came into the arena. And, and, it, and he's like, I don't know how this stuff works, but it works and it's amazing. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm yeah, like I don't know yeah. how it works either, but it works. Yeah. You know? like, and that's the whole thing about, I think, having like an end goal. Yeah. And that's so important. But, and then um, some, sometimes it'll take me a while just to figure out what the goal is because I want to make sure it's like truly authentic with who I am as a person as well. Yeah. You know, because I think, I think when those two things line up, all of a sudden it's just like, wow, you know, and all of a sudden it like magnifies us vibrating at whatever yeah. like capacity. And since we are living in a quantum universe, uh, whatever we focus on and believe will happen yeah. and reality is totally dependent on the observer. And if we're vibrating at the reality that we want, eventually, um, like our own reality is just going to, it's either going to repel people who aren't, um, aligned with that. And, you know, like th it does sound so, I wish it didn't sound so, um, I don't know, the new age thing, yeah. but like that's, I can't, I can't describe it any other way. Like I've noticed that as soon as my belief systems have changed, um, how my life has also changed because of that. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And, and I'm with you, man. Like I struggle to communicate effectively in a rational way, uh, sometimes about, you know, what's, what's happening internally with how we can take that internal version of us and our dreams and goals and, and create it externally, you know, but a lot of times I'm just saying, listen, like, like, so I have a good friend who's very rational and doesn't believe all the new age woo-woo you know, and, and subconscious mind and, and programming and hypnotic stuff. And so I'm like, I'm like, listen, man, it's just a, a placebo pill. That's it. That's it. If you choose to believe it, you know, some people need Jesus as a placebo. Some people need, mm -hmm. you know, Gandhi or uh, Krishna as a placebo. Some people need new age religions as a placebo. Some people just need to read a book as a placebo effect. And some mm. people need prayer or meditation or whatever, or um, just relaxing and breathing or taking a walk or whatever it may be. And that's your placebo effect. And whatever you choose to believe and really believe it, then that will create your reality, just like a placebo pill. Totally. Yeah. It's fantastic. But I think, you know, the whole, the whole thing is like, what do we want to believe? Because the choices yeah. are truly, truly infinite. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and, and I don't think people quite know how infinite their choices really are, um, where, you know, it's great to be around people like you and other people that have been to the Entrepreneur House and other friends we know who really believe, okay, what do you want to do? I want to make a billion dollars in my life. Okay, how can we do that? And you have that conversation in instead of laughing at them, you know? Yeah, and that's like, it's like, okay, well, what's the first step? You know, yeah. because like uh, we can just enter into whatever reality we choose to like, and there's going to have to be a lot of energy put behind it. Yeah. You know, exactly. But it's anything's possible, man. We're just like living uh, for me, man. I would love to travel through a black hole. Don't know um, if I can <laughs> believe that yet or not, but that would be super cool. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Huh? Uh, yeah. Rich, why not, man? I'm sure Richard Branson's working on that. Yeah, <laughs> I I just watched Interstellar before I uh, before I was speaking to you, so that's what I'm all about. 
Space. How, <laughs> how is it? I started Interstellar and I turned it off because I, I didn't like the first bit of it. But tell me how. Really? It, yeah. I love that movie, man. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Yeah, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I have to check it out. I have to check it out. So, say there's somebody out there that has, you know, a vision mark or of what they want for their life and and or their business. How? What are some tips? They have some goals that a lot of people in their life may say that are impossible, or they think themselves are impossible. I think like the first thing is um, is making sure that that is that they want it, and that also to be to have some patience because it's not going to happen overnight, mm-hmm. um, and you have to commit like you have to overcommit. You know, you gotta like stupid commit. You know, or like you just kind of like gotta give it everything and 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 keep the faith uh, because it's not, if you, if we kind of look at reality in a way that's like um, it's, it's perfectly balanced as it is. And if we want to change it, we're going to have to put way more energy uh, than we, than we think it, it needs to almost like steer it to like rebalance it out. Yeah. And uh, um, like, how do I, another thing too, is that you got to realize that you are who your friends are. Yeah. So, um, yeah. if, so, okay. So say for instance, I'm just going to put it out there. Someone wants to be an astronaut, you know, anyone could be whatever they want to be. You know, someone's, we'll just pick an astronaut. Okay. Or like, or maybe not an astronaut, maybe like a film director or a singer or a business person yeah. or a pro pool player, you know? Yeah. Um, the first thing like that I would do is I would just find out where they hang out all the time and I would just like start making friends with them. And I would love to, uh, and this is, this is how the entrepreneur house really benefited me was I was the worst person in that house, you know, and that was probably the best place for me to be in because everyone knew way more than what I did, yeah. you know, and that brought me up to a whole other level. And, uh, so when you're starting out, you really want to hang on to like, I, I almost look at these, these gatherings is like vortexes right like you get you get caught into like the the group mind or the mastermind and you start to see how they think and you can start asking them for bits and pieces of advice but then go in there and start providing so much value for them that they'll just want to kind of take you under their wing yeah even like whatever you want to do just go there and like start helping out and like learn but just like would do whatever you say you're going to do and then um create your plan and then like stupid commit like I, I stupid committed where it was just like everything. Every, when I first started the festival, I put everything on credit card plus all my savings. You know, <laughs> that stupid commit. Yeah. And then like, but but I, I stupid committed where like I had no other option but to see it through. Right. Yeah. You know? And like the first year, I, I, you know, I lost money, but then the next two years, I broke even, and now I succeeded. Um, in one of the highest risk markets or yeah, markets in the world, yeah. you know, just because of stupid commitments you know? and like, if they, and, and I don't know, maybe it's just like my own personality or I just refuse to fail. Yeah. You know, it's like, I just, I was just, I thought, and don't think that I've never thought about giving up, probably thought about giving up more times than I wanted to, but every time like it's over, I, I kind of like look at it and be like, this is, this is incredible. And now it's so reinforced with like this year there was about 11,000 people and it just keeps growing and more people want to be involved. Um, but, um, over committing and basically burning the boats, 
You know, if you really want it, just burn the boats. Yeah, absolutely. Which is like no other, no other way out. You know, and that's that's the Tony Robbins thing. I got that from him. Where, um, like, if you want to, if you want to, like, go to an island or something, you got to burn the boats because any any type of plan B make you feel safe or whatever um, is is going to give you um, an exit that basically you can you can just leave whenever you want, but. Um, by burning the boats like you have no other option but to be excellent you know and and that's what i think is the best thing like seek out as much guidance as you possibly can from whatever you need and then just you know burn the boats and and stupid commit yeah and that (laughs) that i don't know if you know this mark but that quote burn the boats comes from the conquistadores in south america and yeah so coronado took the 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 army to south america and when they landed on there, they said, um, and they figured out that they had gold in South America, Coronado ordered that the boats were burned. And he said, here, you guys have two options. You can die, but if you want to go home, you're going to have to fight this war and win to make it back home to see your families, which is pretty brutal if you think about it. But, yeah. um, but that's where that quote comes from because Coronado burned the boats and he gave his army no other option to fight and to win. And yeah. that's why we use that kind of as entrepreneurs today. And I think like to add on your, your, I think a lot of people, Mark, are afraid of commitment and they're mm-hmm. afraid of the word commitment. But I like your analogy with stupid commitment because for me, what I've learned, like commitment is, is not something that takes away our freedom, but something that gives us more freedom. Because if we're, yeah. if we're truly committed to something, there's no other options that we have time or want to consider. And that liberates us in a way because our minds are focused only on whatever we're committed on. And that liberates our minds and our thoughts and our state of being, really, to, to be focused on that one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes, it takes just pure, raw, unending energy and focus. Yeah. You know? And like, and it, and it's never, it's never a straight line. You know, there yeah. are so many curves and, and it's like, um, what was it? I was actually sitting in my friend's Chinese philosophy class, uh, back in when I was in college uh-huh. and, um, uh, this one, this one professor was talking about how we must be like water because water is constantly formless. Yeah. Um, and there's so much, and I remember, I'll never forget this too, how he said there's so much strength and flexibility, you know, like no, no bridge has ever been, has ever been built to just weather the storm by, by being strong there. All bridges weather the storm by being able to move with the storm and bend and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So when he, when he was saying about how like rigidity will eventually like destroy you and how the only strength that is, is to be flexible. Like that's basically it. Like, um, doors will open, uh, once you remain flexible and patient, but like never ending, yeah. uh, commitment. And so that's great, man. I'd like to dig in more Mark about, um, some tips and tricks on marketing and storytelling. Cause you're a great marketer and storyteller. Like how did you, become such a great storyteller and and what are some things that you could share with the listeners well i became a great storyteller because it was a dark and stormy night just 
You already had me engaged, man. <laughs> Don't leave me hanging. <laughs> um, you know, for, for marketing, I think festival marketing, I think, is different than um, than product marketing. And, and I'm starting to get into a new venture with that. Um, and I'm, I'm really putting together a uh, product um, marketing strategy. But if we're just talking about festivals, like um, it's in the repetition you know, and it's in, and I always thought of festival uh, and marketing uh, promotion, like it starts four months beforehand mm-hmm. and every month you just turn up the volume a bit more until like two weeks before it is in your face, but you've already primed their minds. Mm-hmm. And what I've also learned is that, especially in festival promotion, is that even if you're in your their face all the time, like they already know that's like okay, cool, yeah, they're the events coming up. They want us to be there, and then this fest, this like over promotions, you know, and like all marketing and essentially will will come down to consistency, yeah. You know? But um, and then and then the message, and you got to really know your audience. Like for me, like I know. Um, that my audience really loves being positive and, and like positive quotes and, and they really like the vibe. So I give them everything I possibly can that I know that they'll like, but I know that they'll like it because I like it, Yeah, you know? And, and it's funny cause it's like, I'm basically just marketing to myself and I'm just constantly attracting new people. Nice. Okay. Know? So, so I, what, go ahead. whatever I think, whatever I think they'll be interested in, I just give it to them. Like, here you go. I found this. That's cool for you too, you know. And then, um, but engagement and like not talking, not talking to um, people, uh, but talking with them. And like, it's almost like showing up at a party. You don't just like show up at a party and just like start waving signs and yelling at everyone. You like you want to get into the circle and be like, "How's it going, guys? Yo, uh, I got this great event happening." And like you start the conversation with them mm-hmm. instead of just like coming to a party and yelling. You know. So. Yeah, makes sense. So, do you, are you setting goals or targets for your marketing for your festival, Mark, or are you just kind of uh, like so? My my events are free, free entrance and. Uh-huh. Uh, so and I sell the color at the festival. Mm-hmm. Um, this this year in particular, yes, I had said that I want to uh, increase my email list, and I ended up doing that. And um, yeah, that was like my one prime thing was like increasing mailing uh, mm-hmm. retention, uh, increasing reach, increasing engagement. I did all of that, and yeah. then, and you can, and a, a good marketing strategy is plan like five months before it starts. Yeah. You know, like, um, that, that's what I've noticed. Like this year was my biggest year ever. I think I had like a hundred thousand video views, like in total, not, not just like on one video, but, um, uh, I think I had like 415,000 engagements over the course of like, uh, four months or something like that. Uh-huh. And a hundred thousand video views. And I reached like 600,000 people in, in the span of like three months or something like that. Nice. So, so it's like uh, basically my whole marketing thing is like just keep it super positive and make sure that everyone is super motivated to get to Gage Park on August 20th. And so I look at it like I hit them everywhere. Like I'll go on Facebook and Instagram and then I'll do like retargeting as well and make sure that everyone knows that this huge event's coming up and it's going to be super dope. Nice. You know? Oh, that's cool, man. I like it. 
Um, I'd like to talk too. Uh, you know, marketing and storytelling overlap each other quite a bit. But like, so to put this in context, um, when Mark was in Thailand with us, he he his storytelling was awesome because we would go out to dinner, and Mark would start talking, and twenty other global entrepreneurs would shut up and just listen to you. And so, like, where does what are some things <laughs> that people could do? Because like that's that's power and influence. You said earlier you were the worst person in the house, which was crap. <laughs> you in terms, you, dude. In terms of like knowledge. Okay. You know? Yeah. That's, yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. I understand. But everybody has, you know, their their great talents. And yours was definitely like I remember just watching because I watch behavior and body language and I can tune in to it really well and I was in I was in awe like I think our very one of our very first dinners you did that and you just started talking to everybody's like wow this guy has great stories so what are some things that you could share to help people that are wanting to learn how to tell a good story well I think you got to be super stoked on your own story yeah. yeah. No, that's like the first thing. You got to like love telling it. You got to love telling it and you genuinely just want to share it with people because you thought it was so awesome. Yeah. You know, you can hear it in my voice. I'm just I'm just listening to myself talk right now. And like even when I was when I was talking about that, I just like was putting so much because I'm getting super enthusiastic about it. Yeah. You know? But I, I think one of the one of the traits of having a good story is is being in awe of the story itself you know and like i always if i'm gonna take a step back and like and and almost observe myself while i'm telling it in the past there's this some that i'm in in super awe of and sometimes i just want to share it with people in hopes that maybe they'll have some something like that in their life as well yeah you know so it's it's not i don't i don't maybe like tell it for myself as much as it's like yo yo, you guys got to listen to this, Yeah, you know? And then sometimes I think like sharing in general just opens up the, the space uh, for other people to feel comfortable enough to start getting everything flowing, mm-hmm. you know? But I would probably say like, you know, one of the best, I've never actually thought about that. Thank you for asking me that. I'll probably think deeper on that whole subject, but um, yeah, you got to be super stoked on your own story. And Again, it's all about stupid commitment, I guess. Like, I just don't even think. All of a sudden, I just start telling it. You know? <laughs> and, like, I'm not, I'm not calculating. I'm not, like, dropping in, like, triggers and hooks and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. I'm just, just, like, it's almost like I go into trance and I just start telling this story like I'm already there. Yeah. You know? And I think that's, that's probably it. Like, I'm just super enthused about the story because I thought it was awesome. And maybe I just want to relive it again as well with just as much gusto as I was living it before. (laughs) I like that. That's great, man. I like that a lot. And like, okay, so say, say for instance, I'm telling a story and, um, and, and it's funny when I'm actually telling stories, I'll actually have flashbacks of it. And mm-hmm. when I'm listening to someone else tell a story, for instance, um, they will like if they're saying things. Sometimes it's like I'm already there. Like that's one of the first things about about trance is um, is people will go into trance if the if the person who's talking to them if they feel super uh, connected to each other and they start um, using words that are like in the now, mm-hmm. like you're already already there, mm-hmm. you know. So nice, man. I like it. Where are you going with a midsummer's dream for the next 10 years? 
Um, you know, man, like I think I'm I'm pretty good on doing one festival because uh it is a lot of work. Yeah. So it would just be more about like growing it. Like, dude, I've had I have like a bunch of different festival ideas, but I, it's almost like it's almost like I should probably call an addiction hotline and be like, I'm thinking about doing another festival. Someone needs <laughs> to talk me out of it, you know? Uh-huh. Um, but I think, like, for this, my goal is to have it as a 50, 50 to 70,000 person festival year round that just draws internationally from Canada and the US and hopefully, like, overseas. Um, but for right now, yeah, it's uh, realistically, it's probably just drawing in from, like, a local uh, radius of, like, 100 to 150 kilometers uh, away from hamilton yeah just like and build that you know um i think a lot of the festivals and i used to work for one that that these ones that go on the road Mm -hmm. they um unfortunately like they oversaturate themselves yeah you know like we'll take the color runs for example like there's they're just they're all the time and they're everywhere so it doesn't make it special right you know and so like i would rather make this one event special right and just add and take away and add and take away and just constantly create this experience for other people so and it's so unique and genuine and it's nowhere else that that's what makes it i like that yeah i dude i'm doing the exact same thing with the entrepreneur house because um there's so many co-living month-long experiences that are popping up all around the world they're no longer special like you can just buy into one and go do another one anywhere um yeah there's nothing like the entrepreneur house out there and so that's my goal too, the exact same thing. Make it elite, make it special, and make it so high impact and so powerful that there's a line of people waiting to come and that want to sign up as soon as there's another one that opens up, you know. And good job, man. That's a that's a great vision to have, I think. Well, we're kindred spirits, my good man. I agree, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to tell the audience, Mark, before we wrap up? That everyone should go to the Entrepreneur House because Chris Reynolds is the <laughs> main. <laughs> I think everybody should go to a Midsummer's Dream Festival because Mark Gallon is the man. Thanks, man. Yeah, I really appreciate it. So that's all I basically wanted to say. And thank you very much for having me on your podcast. No problem, buddy. Do you want to tell everybody where they can get a hold of you at? They go to midsummersdream.ca and they just uh, hit the contact button and you can email me on there. Okay. And with that, That's another Entrepreneur House episode. Bye, everybody. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for location-independent entrepreneurs. Imagine spending one month with other successful entrepreneurs building business in the world's most exotic locations. Day-to-day, you interact with other driven and smart business people. Spending an extended period of time around them alters your business and your mentality about business. Goals are set, business grows, new partnerships develop, greater profit margins are achieved, the productivity skyrockets for those staying in the Entrepreneur House, and you get to have an incredible adventure while doing it. For those of you that are interested, be sure to contact us through the entrepreneurhouse.com website. For now, saludos from somewhere in the world.